You're listening to Behind the Wheels with Doug Mason, Dave Walters, and Mike Yeagley. This is a show where we talk about heavy truck and medium-duty axolands. Doug, Dave, and Mike bring close to 100 years of experience and expertise in the transportation business. Join us once a month to learn new things about axolands. Sponsored by Alcoa Wheels, the global leader in aluminum wheel innovation. Welcome to another episode of Behind the Wheels. I'm Mike Yeagley. I'm Doug Mason. I'm Dave Walters. Really happy to bring Ross Simmons. He's the managing director for Alcoa Wheels Australia. Ross, welcome to welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having us, guys. It's really appreciate it. It's fun to be with you. Before we we started recording, we were having an awful lot of fun. Hopefully, we'll have the conversation will just keep rolling along. We all know you, Ross. We've worked together for a long, long time. Uh, but why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Well, I've been with uh, associated with the Alcoa Wheels in Australia since the um, inception, since 1985. So under different distribution, first distributor here in Australia was a, a, a company called McKay, who was a basically a farm implement company, but also dabbled in steel truck wheels and tractor wheels. So we imported the first Alcoa in 1985. I think we back then we sold 500 wheels and a bit of dust gathered on the others, <laughs> given the market wasn't really... Uh, ready for that type of product. but uh, And then under distribution, we changed about uh, seven years later to a privately owned business called Wheelmaster. And Wheelmaster ran in Australia up until 2000 when Alcoa at the time purchased that business. And we've been part of the Alcoa, Arconic, Howmet group since 2000. Um, we're fairly unique in what we do, obviously Alcoa being our main line of product, but we're a bit unique in, the, in, our, in our business because we also do inherited products like uh, tires like steel wheels products that we that just add to our business uh, we we do our own asls here our asls are obviously tire assembly operations for the main manufacturers and uh, we still have uh, while in australia we have no more car manufacturers left so uh, gmh and ford and toyota have all left our shores in the last probably within the last five to ten years uh, but we still have four manufacturers of trucks, which is uh, we're obviously pretty keen to keep. So Packard, Kenworth, uh, who also do uh, a volume of DAF, European-style trucks. Uh, we have Volvo. And an interesting note is that uh, the Volvo plant here in Brisbane, where I'm located, is was the first Volvo Mac-integrated factory anywhere in the world. When Volvo bought Renault back in, I think, the early 2000s, just by they, they inherited Mac as a consequence. Mac were operating here in Brisbane as well as Volvo, but obviously at that time independently. And uh, they became um, uh, the one integrated factory. So uh, we've done, we do all the tyre assembly for them here in Brisbane, and we do the same for Kenworth. And the other one being Iveco, which was uh, was actually an old inter- international harvester business. Iveco bought that some 20 years ago now. So uh, they're the four left, and um, we're pretty keen to keep them here, to be honest. We need them. We need that type to give our market some stability, some uniqueness, um, which we do, and we'll get into a bit of that, I hope. But yeah, that's that's a bit of my background. We all love our OEMs, but you know, given that there's only four left there, I, I guess your your love for the OEMs are is even greater than ours. So it's interesting. You get into the a smaller market like Australia, and it has its own. You know, like you just said, they used to have uh, used to be automotive manufacturing there, and now it's just just heavy truck. That has its own sort of spin. It changes the dynamic 
that changes the, the, the market dynamic, I, I would think, significantly that most of the products are, there's so much that's being shipped in. And then, you know, you also have unique, unique requirements in Australia, like any, any market. Uh, I know, Ross, you and I worked in China together. We worked all sorts of different places together. And every market ha- is very similar. I mean, they're all buying trucks. They're all buying tires. But whatever is the manufacturing driver for that market changes the market. Before we got on, Doug just got back from Hawaii, and and uh, you know Hawaii has a huge transit bus market. Give us a little overview of the Australian market. What's unique about it? What's going on with that? Well, I think that's um, you know industry has changed here. Um, there, there used to be an old saying that Australia rides on the sheep's back. So we uh, you know the, what the, was that? They, we used to ride on the sheep's back. It's on the back of a sheep. That's a saying. Um, that was a saying. So okay. when I was growing up, certainly that was it because uh, we were all about livestock and wool and right. associated right. product beef, all sorts of all sorts of cattle. Um, well, that's changed in the last twenty to twenty-five years. We now we're really good at digging holes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we found that we do have you know while australia is a very big country and a lot of people don't know it's probably this you know in similar size to north america but our population is uh, you know about 10 percent of what you have and uh um, so 25 million people but there's a hell of a lot of nothing here so right. a lot of desert a lot of hot conditions for most part uninhab- uninhabitable um, you can't grow anything so we do have a lot of resource. So we have um, things like coal and iron ore and gold, bauxite, which is uh, made to produce aluminium. So we have high deposits of that and many other things like lithium is the, like, the big buzz one. So we're really good at digging holes and we've got really good at it. So we no longer ride on the sheep's back. We actually ride on the back of a dump truck now. <laughs> so, that's a good thing for us. Um, that's a good thing for us. It is. And it's, and, and that's probably what the, the most unique part of our industry the the trucking industry is uh is unique because of its um because of those high loads heavy loads in our pre-discussion doug mentioned road trains well road trains is fairly unique to australia and it's you know we have multiple trailers that have basically one truck or rig um could be pulling up to four or five trailers mostly side tippers which is uh, to move the um to move whatever, whether the ore or the gold or um, whatever deposit you're you're working on, so those are really heavy loads. So they're they're you know fairly unique in the in the in the equipment where you're looking at 600 horsepower trucks, some tri drive twin steer applications. So a lot of these units can have over a hundred wheel positions. So that's great, fantastic when you're the managing director and you've got to hit a lot <laughs> hit a bottom line. More of those, thank you. <laughs> so. Um, so that's that's been that's a really big part of our industry, and we do really really well. Our products stand up to that environment. It's very heavy. I know that you've got similar applications in North America, particularly around coal, which are very heavy duty applications. Well, we're the same. So, um, but it needs to be lightweight. So, it, um, what changed our industry is probably in the mid '80s to say 1990 was that we'd always had regulations against overloading, but there wasn't any enforcement of that. So enforcement right. came down really, really hard because they understood that and the pavement damage, similar to, that's not unique to Australia, but it was the same issue. So you're paying all this taxpayer money to build roads and, and then you had to repair them so so often because of the damage that the, the trucks and the trailers were, were, were doing to those roads. 
So the, the government said, okay, let's stop overloading and it, and it changed everything. Then products, lightweighting products were absolutely critical. So no right. different, once again, not unique to us, but uh, I think that I think how quickly it happened and, and maybe Dave and who who's been around like me a long time that could understand in the in the US how quick that was. We were dominated by what we call spider rims, right? Or demountable rims or can't right. they got many terms like we were dominated by that. Everybody had them. So we had some challenges in getting ourselves going on how do we get ten start into the mix. It wasn't a lot it wasn't just taking a steel wheel off and putting a aluminium on because you had to change your hubs and all sorts of things when you're moving from spider slash demandable. So they were a massive challenge for us. So Dave, you saw pretty much the same thing happen in Pennsylvania and and pretty much around the country here uh, in the U.S. when load uh, requirements, load load limiting requirements started coming in. What era was that when you saw that? How can I say in this country, when deregulation hit in the early 80s, they deregulated trucking before it was regulated by, you know, everybody had rights and they could bid on stuff. And it was a different whole world. They deregulated trucking in the early 80s. And once they did that, it really opened up to where anybody could get in the business. It created a lot of competition because before, if I was a big carrier, I could say I got rights to that corridor. So it was almost the government had control. So when they deregulated, everything went nuts for a while because anybody could buy a truck and go in and haul anything they wanted. There was no more rights like, hey, I I have that right to haul this because I bought that years ago. I got PUC numbers. I mean, it was so different. So it happened very quickly to change because anybody could get in the business. So when that happened, the government had to stop, step in because it used to be mega carriers controlled the markets. And when they got in with the owner operators and the smaller guys, that's when they started putting weight limits and enforcement of weight oh, limits and okay. really created our market tremendously. So, I mean, it was almost simultaneously in the early eighties when they deregulated, they needed to put in stopgap measures to let some type of, uh, you know, weight limits and everything control measures. So these people that only had one or two trucks, they're like, what the heck? I, I can care less. Well, if you had, 6,000, you overloaded and did something bad, you're going to pay a whole bunch of money. And it just changed the whole market. But about the same timing, though, mid-80s, roughly, uh, is when the... the, the Early 80s, mid-80s, when everything yeah, started yeah. to happen. So, Ross, trucking and having to do with uh, any sort of mining, digging holes, like you said, is the key to that to that market. That's the biggest part of the market right now. What are the market challenges that you're seeing? Well, the market challenges have been probably there because we are dealing with long distances, really long distances, very, very hot conditions. So those combined, I mean, our roads, are, are, I'll call them average, certainly in populated areas, it's, you know, it's, it's freeways. But as you get sort of out of those cities, our roads can be, um, they're not curbed, they're just basically dirt skirting. So they're really challenging us on, and really, really hard on equipment. The, the government's tried everything they can to maintain roads, but it's just such a big country and such long distances that it's not always easy to do. We still have, and particularly in the outback, we still have a number of unmade roads where trucks have to ply, you know, gravel roads. So 
those challenges on tyres and wheels and suspensions and just equipment in general is, is really tough. So that probably is a unique thing to us. I mean, we, we do have to deal with that. You know, populated areas is uh, moving freight around is uh, we used to do it like most countries, I think, on single trailer applications. Well, some of our trailer equipment is fairly unique that I've seen anyway in North America, Europe, particularly through Asia. It's it's very unique. The most popular combination is a B-double. So that's one small A trailer followed by a, a standard 40-foot uh, rear trailer. And that's that combination can be in tipper, it can be in curtain cider, whatever you want. So it's the most popular. So it's helped us you know, take a, a few trucks off the road, which is which particularly in populated areas is the government's goal. So that's that's helped a lot just to move freight around. So it, it was probably introduced in the mid-90s and it just dominates the roads now. And one of our other industries that's really strong is grain, wheat, barley, you name it. We do a lot of that here and we export a hell of a lot of that. So our grain trailers are unique. They're all aluminium, have been for probably two and a half decades. And those combinations of a B-double allows us to move a you know, hell of a lot of grain. Bottom dumps, so most of those are, are dumped through the bottom of the, the belly of the trailer and into a, uh, a silo, which dotted around provincial areas. So I think as, a, as far as equipment is concerned, that would be fairly unique to us. Our construction industry is also strong, but it's, it's what we call truck and dog. So it, it's a single standard truck with a with a body on it and then a single, mostly a four axle trailer. So truck and dog is what we move in construction areas. So once again, that's all aluminium though. So Now, um, now Ross, I could yeah, ask you one question. Because the most sure. unique thing the first time I went to Australia, you guys had them bull bars on trucks. And I was just fascinated by them because we have nothing like that over here. And I what, remember what? asking you what they're used for. Now, wait till you hear the explanation. Well, first of all, it's, it's great. Something... It's what, great. What, what is it? Just great. It's a bull bar? So it's, a, it's, it's called a bull bar. So at the front of the truck to protect the radiator. So it, it used to have a steel-like cage on the very front <laughs> of the truck. They're, they're mostly aluminium now, once again, for light weighting. Now, it's sole purposes. I mean, we have a lot. I mean, you have deer there, right? Truck hits a deer <laughs> yeah. and... I'm not sure what damage a deer does, but you hit a particularly a red kangaroo out in the outback. A red kangaroo at 100 kilometres an hour, you hit one of them and you're picking pieces up off your truck for miles down the road, as well as the carcass of the poor old red kangaroo, of course. <laughs> but Holy it's, it's, pu- it's purely for that. It's protect the truck from the livestock because there's no, particularly in the outback, there's no fencing they just wander freely. And that can be buffalo. When we were trekking through the desert, when the country was first basically formed 200 odd years ago, they introduced camels. There's so the, camels you know, a truck could run into a camel. There's a, there is thousands of camels in the outback. They're very resilient animal, the old camel. And they, they, they can survive. And, and they were just basically sent off once they were used to to cart whatever they were cut, they're sent off. And then obviously they bred. And so, yeah, that's pretty much the bull bars used to protect the truck from livestock on the road. So have Dave, when you were here, they have, they have got a little bit more, they're a bit more flash. They, they serve a purpose of people are engraving them. They're doing all sorts of things to make them look a bit special. And, uh, and I've got names of transport on the front of them. And, but yeah, it's, well, it's probably unique now to the outback but even even on the eastern seaboard here is there's still kangaroos. I mean, particularly at dusk, 
they move around, pretty much lay, lays about in the sun all day, but then they start to feed and they, yeah, the truck needs to be protected and that's the way we do it. Reminds me of our... And they really made the truck look tough. They really did. It was like uh, like a movie truck, you know what I mean, with the big bars in front. And I said, man, Americans need that. But no, nah, that added weight. No, we were never going to do that. So, uh, man, that, they look make the truck look tough. Look like something for Mad Max, right, Dave? Yes, Mad Max, exactly. And I thought, this is pretty cool. These guys got pretty, you know, hot rod looking trucks. So a little, yeah. little more fancier most of our stuff over here. So obviously, you know, the, what, what I'm hearing is that the, the market is very weight sensitive. 